This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features actress, singer, and biracial Latina badass, Rebecca Vega Romero. I'm super excited to share this conversation because I know Rebecca from several different important communities here in New York that I'm proud to be a part of. The one we've gotten to know each other probably the most in is Jen Waldman Studios, but I met Rebecca first at Actors Launchpad and also realized that we're a part of Heidi Marshall Studios community. And um, last year, Rebecca got to star as Maria in West Side Story in the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle, my hometown, where I got my union card many years ago. Uh, I had a great time talking with Rebecca. She is also, as I mentioned, uh, biracial, and she has a movie that she has written and is co-producing and starring in coming out. Um, They're actually doing a Seed and Spark fundraiser for that. The link for that is in the show notes. It's called The Question. So we're talking about that. We're talking about life as an actor in the Big Apple and what it means to be an artist and many other things. And I'm just super glad to be part of this community. And Rebecca is one of those people that makes me very happy to be on the path that I'm I'm on right now. My why for doing this is to elevate others and myself so that together we can reach new heights. So when I meet another person who's, I think, a light and contributing to the world, it's my absolute pleasure to sit down and unpack things with them and elevate the things that they're doing. So check out the show notes, support her project. And without further ado, this is Rebecca Vega Romero. Let's have a conversation. Just so you know, we're rolling now. Ah, um, I just got so excited. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like for me, I've had people who I'm sure would be great guests want to do like a Skype situation. And while I'd love to connect with those people's followers or listeners or whatever, I don't think my specialty would be, um, I don't think I'd be a good Skype interviewer. Yeah. So the in-person thing I think is is important for me I like that you know, I know yourself yes and I, I've um, been catching up on season two I'm not all the way through but, of, um, of your podcast oh really yeah yeah um, the first two episodes I really enjoyed and um, I mean I live across the street from the Bushwick Star yeah so that was kind of mind-blowing I haven't seen anything there yet I I just saw something, um, it was called The Conversationalists. That was really dope. I think that closed like a week ago. And there's something else coming up. It's in collaboration with the National Black Theater. Oh, Where sweet. I got to do a show with in the summertime. I know. Show. Um, so I have to definitely see that one. Um, and I don't know the name off the top of my head, <laughs> but, you know, uh, check that out. Yeah. And I'll try to have them on. But right now we're here to talk about you. Okay. Rebecca Vega Romero, right? That's me, yeah. Um, so what's going on with you and how are you doing? I'm I'm doing okay. I'm I kinda decided to take this we're in the midst of what we call audition season. I don't know how much your listeners know about that whole thing. Um this is like the busiest time of year, as you know, for actors uh trying to book work and I decided I had to make it busier for myself because I really wanted to have my uh, uh, some art that I could have ownership over. Um, so I wrote this short film a couple of years ago, actually, and have been rewriting it. But I, I was like, it's time to rip that bandaid off and like actually make this. Um, and what's the working title of it? It's called the question. It's uh. It's a buddy comedy about two best friends who both happen to be mixed race girls who live in New York and the fun situations they encounter while dating. And (laughs) is this uh, semi-autobiographical or like inspired by 
your experience? Um, it's inspired by my experience and the experience of my collaborators. So I got the idea for the film when I was working on a different um, mixed race project. I did this um, cabaret show with some Jen Waldman studio members. Um, called We were called the Ethnic Chameleons. And uh, so I was promoting that on some Facebook groups, uh, like acting studio groups, um, one of which was Heidi Marshall's group. Mm-hmm. Have you? I was going to ask you that because <laughs> um, we actually met at Actors Launchpad, yeah. I think, first. I was thinking about that earlier. And then I was, I was going through it in my head, and I was like, now I know that we're both on the Jen Waldman thing. And I, was I feel like, like I told you about Jen when we when we met. You may, yeah, actually, um, <laughs> I think I was at that time. I was in a class actually at Heidi, or about. Yeah, yeah. we talked about that because there was one guy in that class who also was a uh, former, or you know, part of a JWS or a yes. light bulb. <laughs> um, but that's very cool. Yeah, so I was posting about this concert in the Heidi Facebook page. And this girl named Callie Jean Lewis reached out to me and was like, hey, um, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. I'm also mixed race and I just, I feel so alone. Can we have coffee? I would love to talk about like how you're making your own art. So we met up for coffee and we did talk a little bit about what it's like to be mixed in the acting world, which is its own like crazy, crazy makingness, I think. Um, But we ended up talking a lot about dating. I was sort of in the throes of uh, leaving my husband and I was really scared about the idea of dating again because I was just remembering all of these pretty terrible things that happened or not but they're funny but just like misunderstandings that happened when I was dating before and um and Callie was just dating in New York it's it's a thing yeah um, so I was like, well, I don't know why, I, I still don't know why I was like, I can write a short film, because I never had before. Um, I had written like a pilot that never went anywhere. Um, but I just thought that conversation we had was so funny, and so, I and I had never seen it portrayed, so I was like, let me write us something. <laughs> I will say, uh, you said you wrote a pilot that never went anywhere, but the pilot did go to you writing something else. Yeah. I mean, um, I did like a reading of it in my living yeah. room. I, yeah. And you never know, like, and also you could add a yet there on that, but also... Thank you. Yeah. But also it's, you know, you have to write, you have to write song one to write song three, mm. you know? Yes, Alec. Yeah. So you're currently, so now this piece that you've written, the question, Mm -hmm. uh, you're now um, in fundraising and pre-production and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So um, when we decided it was time to make the film, um, I wanted to do like other, to work with other mixed race women. That was really important to me. So um, we have mixed race women on our producing team and as our director and obviously me and my co-star and then um we decided to find local businesses to partner with uh, for our locations that was I love Bushwick um I've been here for a year and a half and I grew up in New York and it is honestly my favorite neighborhood oh it's my I, <laughs> I grew up in Seattle we'll yeah. talk about that in a yeah. second too but uh yeah this is this was like home right when I I lived in south park slope when i first got here for like a year and then when i found bushwick i was like ah here we go yeah um so because of that feeling of like this place took me in when i was kind of going through a big life transformation and i I don't know i just i feel like this place has helped me come alive as an artist again i wanted to put that into the movie so um we've partnered with a couple of places here at Lazy Susie Cafe and um, Star Bar. Um, so we have those locations locked down for mid-March. Um, so that like backtracks us to now pre-production. We're fundraising on Seed and Spark, which is this incredible platform that is, um, it's like GoFundMe or Indiegogo or any of those 
fundraising websites, but it's specifically for filmmakers, for independent filmmakers, and they're very dedicated to um, increasing diverse voices on film, which I, I think I care about a lot, and I also I just think it's such a cool thing that exists. So because of because they're so focused on filmmaking, there's like all of this training that they give you for free. You just watch videos and learn how to raise the funds to make your film. Um, and then go and do it. And then if you are able to get, the more people you get interested in the film, just following it on Seed&Spark, they'll give you things to help make your film. Very cool. And are they, is it only films or like what about other like video content? Yeah, other video. So um, they do pilots and shorts and um, features. And, and I think web series too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why, uh, for you, like I know being busy, but is there anything more to wanting to create your own? Like, where does that come from for you? Um, I think I've always also been a writer. So Jen tells the story about, um, the young arts foundation, which I participated in as, um, a senior young arts is a, you know what? I don't know it. Like it, ring, it rings a bell, but I don't know. It's it's the national um, program through which they end up selecting the presidential scholars in the arts. Um, and these seniors apply in all different disciplines from acting to singing to painting and writing. Um, and then they pick a bunch of the students and send them to Miami for a week-long intensive on that art form. And then at the end, they select the winners for that presidential scholar. Um, so Jen tells this story about, uh, I forget his name. I'm pretty sure he's a choreographer, um, where he was with the kids and he asked them all to raise their hands if they were creative artists. And then he went around the room and they all raised their hands Oh! and he went around the room and was like, if you are an actor, if you are a dancer, if you are a singer, put your hand down your interpretive artists you take other people's art and you interpret it and then the, the people who are creative artists are the people who generate their own work um and growing up I always felt like there was a, a tension between mm-hmm. that for me I um growing up here in New York you can go to conservatory at a very young age so I studied musical theater and then I studied voice and acting um from sixth grade onward but I was always writing and I was painting too. And I got into those programs, but then I kind of had to put them aside um, because I wanted to be a performer. And I'm, then I won as a writer for the um, Young Arts Award. And I went down there and I spent the whole week being like, hmm, I wish I was with the actors. Mm-hmm. So I decided to put writing aside. Um, and I just, I think I have... Uh, a unique perspective on the world um, most people do but uh, I have things I want to say that some of them can be said through other people's art and some of them I have to make my own yeah and yeah. you have to say it your own in way. Every way and especially in the midst of this season in life where uh, I take what I worked on and present it to other people and say hey would you like to collaborate? Um, do you want me to, you know, play this role for you? Um, do I fit your vision? It's been really helpful to be like, do I fit my vision? This is my vision. And I'm also doing that. Mm-hmm. It gives me strength to go and do that, I think. Yeah. I think it also gives... Uh, I was just... I did something this summer and there was this guy in it, uh, Ruben Santiago Hudson. Um, Mm -hmm. and he, I was listening, I recorded some of the lectures and he said something really cool. He's a writer, actor, director, producer. So he's one of those. He's one of of us, I (laughs) dare say. And so I was just soaking up everything that he said. And 
one thing that he talked about was being a great artist is like building a mountain one stone at a time. <laughs> Every accomplishment is just another stone on the pile. And he went on to say, like, if you, that includes like the big milestones. So like if you win a Tony, yeah, that's just another stone actually. Like it's not any, I mean, of course it's a milestone, right? but it's still a stone. <laughs> it's still a stone. Oh, like, I love that. So it doesn't mean that the work stops and that, um, those daily, those constant things that you're doing don't stop with that. Um, nor do, you know, the flip side of it is the things that you don't book, the the other things. And I think like having your own voice and knowing what it is and knowing who you are, you have, an, you have options then for yourself. So that it, I think, changes the whole dynamic when you're talking to, when you're going in for things, like that it's not, it's not that or nothing. You know what I mean? Yes. I know exactly what you mean. That's, that's exactly it. I love that idea of the work that we do. Each one is just another stone and you get to keep building. I think that's, um, inspiring. So what do you like? So aside from this movie, kind of, what are you thinking about? Like, how does the movie fit in and what are you thinking about kind of for like, 2020 or like let's say like uh you know we can bird's eye it even like 10 year like intentions yeah um I mean I've been doing a lot of thinking about that uh so much of those intentions it's like a delicate balance I feel like I I always have to acknowledge that that a lot of things I want for myself involve other people um and so I can put it out there like I <laughs> I'm going to say this on the podcast, which is a little scary to me. But I've been saying like, you know, for Rebecca, what I want is Broadway 2020. I'm like, I've been so scared to claim what I actually want. Um, but I want to work on a on the national stage. And I. It's it's interesting as a theater artist, um, our work is ephemeral and that's part of what makes it magical and what makes it our specific art form. Um, but I also love the idea of being part of the record, you know, theater of note, um, mm-hmm. like in, in the Lincoln center library, uh, on your Spotify, you can listen to me sing like, this is, this is the version of this song. Uh, I, I want my work to live on in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just have learned that I really like big stages. I really like huge crowds. I really like um, telling a story that way really feeds my soul. And I feel like I'm working in service. Um, so that. And then the movie fits in because uh, I. <laughs> what's a bigger stage than a film like that can travel the world in a way that a show can't right yeah so like people across the world could see that movie hopefully and it um travels through time in a different way exactly yeah i love time travel i'm like Mm -hmm. a a big nerd uh like time travel is one of the things that i'm obsessed with mostly because i i'm just i i don't know if you feel this way as a person of color but i'm always wondering like wow, if I time traveled, like, what what would life look like for a person like me at X time in the past or in the future? Um, where do I fit in? And I've, like, tried to do some more reading about that. I know uh, some kind of art that I want to make in the future is about some of the uh, white presenting mixed race people that I've discovered in American history. Cause I just think they're, yeah, their stories have been kind of like written out. Yeah. No, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like I, <laughs> um, I don't know what you go for, but for me, it's like, I, 
it's like I, I audition for a lot of black roles and sometimes I get called in for them. Mm-hmm. And then it's like I audition for um, definitely I like when it's like black, white, ethnically ambiguous, mixed. Then mm-hmm. I'm just like, all right, cool. Like maybe or it's like they're specifically looking for more ambiguous. Um, but then it's like I also audition going a lot for like latino roles and then arabic roles yeah just because it's like and then that's a whole other complicated thing like as actors like what are we supposed to do you know what i mean because of like whitewashing and stuff like that but on the other hand like personally like i i know people have different opinions on it but like i do think there's a difference with a person of color who like like if you kind of understand the complexities of it um playing something else um versus like a white person playing a brown person who just does not understand it at all you know there's like a shared experience different specific experiences but then also it's like with race then it's like like, for instance latin america like that's not like it's a ethnicity but there's many different races within that ethnicity and that changes place to place and even in places like puerto rico like the dominican like i know dominicans who are like my complexion lighter or darker some who do consider themselves black also Mm -hmm. and then others i know who are like clearly darker who do not consider themselves. And that's like a, divi- yeah. that's like a whole, it's the same thing in, in Cuba where my family's from. It's like, mm-hmm. and my, my family on that side is, is mixed. Um, but they would never talk about it that way. That's not the language that they use. Um, it's just like, I don't know. My dad is dark skinned enough that us walking down the street together. Um, when I was little, would uh get us looks and uh, because i'm so light Mm -hmm. i look just like him it's weird but i'm so pale it just people didn't have a box to put that in yeah um but so he really defines himself he calls himself el negrissimo like the the little black man yeah um and his sister, uh, my Patucha, she just passed away. Uh, she was, she was a showgirl in Havana, like a crazy, crazy talented dancer. Um, she danced at the Tropicana. She then came to America as in part of this review that was like Harlem in Havana. It was like they're making a documentary about those girls now, and they're calling it Brown Skin Showgirls. But she thought of herself as white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... And, and she looked very um, Taino, mm-hmm. uh, but she would never have s- described herself that way. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought. I don't, wait. Well, you know, we're talking. Yeah. Oh, it, in the industry, yeah. I go, right now I feel like I just go in for um, where like the stories that I want to tell. Um, I, I'm getting more opportunities now to tell stories that are reflective of my cultural background. And I find that really exciting because I didn't see, um, when I saw Latino families portrayed, they didn't look like mine. It wasn't like a rainbow of people, Mm -hmm. which is what it is. Yeah. Um, it's like a one specific look that I don't know that America thinks or has historically thought of as Latino. Um, and I didn't fit that. So I thought that there was something wrong with me. Um, and the same thing for Jewish families. Like there wasn't, there's historically not been a place for Jews of color to be in the conversation at all. Um, so uh, I went to this mixer at Equity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I didn't go to that, but it was, it was about... It was about, it was about being mixed. And, yeah. Uh, there were some good conversations had. I'm, we'll take that. But in the conversation, I said something to the effect of like, uh, when I do West Side Story, I'll be the Jewish girl playing Maria. And when I do Fiddler, I'll be the Latina playing Huddle. Is my perception of how it felt to be, how it feels to be in a cast with people who are reflective of like half of my background. Um, I've only ever once played a mixed race character who is um, half black, half white, and that was for a short film at NYU. It's available on Amazon Prime. If you guys want to watch, it's called Down Down Baby. Um, and I had lots of conversations with that director. Um, she, I, I know that she wrote it because of, I, th I think her niece presented a lot like myself. And mm -hmm. she was like, what is the world going to look like for her? Um, but I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and then I, a lot of the times I'm going in for white roles and then I'm like the non-traditional choice mm -hmm. still. Sometimes I felt that like I'm not ethnic enough to f to fill that like you know you know I'm gonna say that like yeah that like it's, slot so they can prove that they have someone of color yeah it's a whole tricky thing like I get very frustrated also with like electoral politics because um, <laughs> so like basically um, I've done a lot of so I was thinking of when I played a mixed dude and it was usually in, I was in some like political theater back in the day mm -hmm. also, like going back to high school. And there's this group called Tribes Project where this director, who's actually from NYU, like, hmm. like he went to grad school there and then moved out to Seattle and did some stuff out there. But he did this thing called Tribes Project where he went to a different high school every year, took 12 students and they created a original show about race in America. Wow. And so that came my senior year and yeah, the career, the character I played was black and white. And I'm trying to think other than that, if there was a thing, but basically like it's been on my mind for a long time too. And now kind of how I identify is I identify as, a biracial black man. So, and it's, sense. and it's because I feel like in that, like, it's like, I'm never, so it's like my parents speaking of like, not looking like your parents <laughs> and, and looking like my parents too. Um, my, my dad's black, my mom's white, my dad's very dark skinned and my mom's white. Um, and she has a Jewish last name and, they both divorced when I was pretty young. Yeah, me too. And each married, uh, like somebody of their race oh. when they got remarried. Um, now if my little brother, who's, it's just me and my brother from that marriage. If we're with our black family, like people just see a black family, right? you know what I mean? And then if we're with, our white family, people see a mixed family. Yeah. You know, so it's that, that experience. Um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with oh, that either. Oh, no, Just... but I'm glad you shared that. I, <laughs> that's interesting because my parents split up when I was like 11. They were together for such a long time, like almost 25 years. And uh, I remember, I, I don't know, I really felt like, oh, we didn't prove them wrong. Like all these people who said that like mixed families couldn't survive, I, I took it very personally as on like that front. Um, but my mom is uh, happily partnered again with my stepdad Jimmy uh, Kosher, who's a awesome saxophone player. Um, he's black, uh, and so I don't. I think my dad's been all over the map with his dating life. Yeah, <laughs> and you know he did survive. That's like the big thing oh, yeah. to realize. Like the family parents getting divorced doesn't I'm also like 
I'm also, I'll also say, I've never really said this, but it's like, I'm not the, I'm not from a broken family. Like I'm from a family that like reconfigured itself, Evolved. you know, yeah. the broken family thing. It's like, like there are plenty of people that stay together and just are miserable forever. <laughs> like too, you know? Oh so. yeah. <laughs> I don't, uh. Well, no, obviously, I didn't choose to do that. So, um, yeah. So we talked about it. We breezed over a little bit, but we both worked. I worked at this theater many years ago called the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. <laughs> and last year, uh, you got to do something which I did not do, which is you were the lead role in one of the most uh, known plays of all time at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle, and that was Maria in West Side Story. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Um, that, I like. I just put my hand over my heart because I, I loved working there so much. I loved stepping into Maria's shoes and telling her story, and uh, it was something that I wanted since I was a very little girl. That role always appealed to me, um, I love telling uh, romantic stories. I think that's just something that that's like the way that I look at the world a lot. Um, uh, I love to sing in that classical style. That's where my voice feels the most free and the most authentic. Um, I love, don't get me wrong, I love, love pop rock stuff and I've gotten really into that um, because you have to to survive in this business right now. But that's not what led me to telling stories through song which is I think my like very first love um it was like this kind of music and this girl is just so similar to people that I grew up with um (laughs) my so in in the show uh I don't know if you remember this but she works in a bridal shop Mm -hmm. um and my my I, I called her booba because I couldn't say abuela when I was mm-hmm. a very little girl. And then everybody in the family called her that. That became her name for the last, like, 25 years of her life. My booba was a seamstress. She uh, had her own shop in Havana. And um, and that was as far as I knew about it. And she made dresses for me and my sister growing up. So when I got this role, I called up my tia Paducha. And I was like, I want to know more about your life in Havana and like when you came here I knew that she came to America for the first time in that show that we talked about in 1957 which is when the play takes place um and she came from Havana to New York which is a pretty similar journey to what Maria goes through from Puerto Rico um and as we were talking about this time in her life my aunt shared with me that not only did my grandmother have this the shop and like that's how she supported them but she actually started doing that um after her husband left her she started selling the things that she'd already been making and then she taught other women how to do it so it was like she ran a school out of their living room (laughs) um and like all of this stuff came out that I didn't know about my family and then I lost my aunt in October um and I'm just really, really grateful for the timing of that, that I had that opportunity. Um, I think also I've always wanted to perform, like I said, and I uh, wanted to play this role for a long time. And I'm to get to do it on such a massive stage with one of the best orchestras I've ever heard, 25 musicians and all of these wonderful people who, you know, we did have three white men at the helm, um, but they really took a lot of time and care to get my perspective and some other cast members who were Latinx um, and really gave us some input in a way that felt respectful, um, and I thought that was so cool. And um, the Fifth is also like a theater that has a lot of resources, mm-hmm. so. I had been joking since I was 16 uh, that I wanted to do Maria and not be asked to dye my skin and wear a long black wig. Um, 
And first of all, they never asked me to do that. It was never a question or a conversation even. And I appreciated that. And then they made a wig based on my hair, my Afrocentric hair that is like, it taken me my whole life to learn how to take care of and love because I have a white mom with like mm-hmm. stick straight Jewish hair. <laughs> um, they made this like wig based on my hair and I know that there are little girls in Seattle who didn't get to see themselves reflected on stage in that way before who did because of me and that feels really good. Um, the fifth also has this incredible program, which I'm sure you know about the rising stars program. Mm -hmm. Um, but everyone should know about this because I hope and pray that this kind of program makes its way into every major theater in our country. Um, they pick one of their main stage shows per season and they audition students from everywhere in the area. Um, so not just like one school or like within Seattle, but like as far as they can reach so that these kids have the opportunity, they bring them in and the students recreate the show on the same set in this 2100 seat house. Um, they make costumes, they do publicity, they stage manage, they all get to do everything and they do the same singing and choreography. I think they cha- they lowered like one or two notes for mm-hmm. the kids, but other than that, it was, and it's one of the hardest shows to do, I think. Um, and so the professional actors were offered the opportunity, if we so chose, to interact with the kids and mentor them. And uh, that relationship is uh, was a massive gift for me. I feel like I didn't know how much I had learned until I got to turn around and share it with somebody else. Um, and it's really cool to see the progress that she's making um, even now, so. Nice. So you've stayed so, in contact a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, we do a, try to do a FaceTime every now and then. Uh, I don't know if you know this also about Seattle, and I don't know if this is still the case, but when I was growing up there at a certain point, it was declared um, that Seattle has one of the largest at the time, maybe largest and largest growing mixed populations. I didn't know that, but that. And all kinds of mixes. So like a lot of people I grew and it's like, it's an interesting thing because Seattle is more predominantly white than a lot of other places. But then there are a lot of different types of people there. And so then there's a very interesting dynamic that happens with, between different communities. So there's like, there's a lot of different mixes and combinations of mixes. So like some of my best friends are like half Filipino, half black, half Filipino, half white, like Japanese and black, um, all kinds of combos. And like kind of because of that, there's like a whole generation of people that grew up together um, with different shared perspectives um and it's even for me growing up was a little like me and my brother are five years apart and I felt kind of in between two worlds and saw just five years later um and only really four I guess we're five grades apart um but like my brother had a whole group of friends in middle school, a bunch of them were like mixed. And so they had like, they had each other and then they had, you know, plenty of other friends, but they didn't have the same identity crisis that I (laughs) struggled with a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to see. Um, that's so, that makes so much sense to me because of the experience I had in Seattle. So something, Jen Waldman talks about is donating your bio. Mm-hmm. Um, so I donated my donated my bio by talking about why I do art, which it, for me, like my why is very tied up with being mixed and changing the experience for the next generation. So it's like I 
I didn't have that growing up. It was like me and my sister and like, there's like one other girl in my year, um, who, who, who was mixed. And I grew up in New York, which is people think of as this huge melting pot. Um, yeah. So, so I put that in my bio and I had so many audience members reach out to me, um, like through my website or Instagram or after the show come up and say like thank you for being visible like thank you for acknowledging that that's who you are and sharing that like I didn't know that I could see myself on stage that way um and I was I guess I was surprised at the number of people I don't know why because I know we're the largest growing population in the United States Mm -hmm. so there's that but um I'm really hopeful because I see that with my um my older nieces they're in high school because I have an older half brother on my dad's side um he's uh his mom is black so he's more he's darker skin he's like he I I don't know how he thinks of himself I don't think he thinks of himself as Cuban very much I think he thinks of himself more as black um but I could be wrong sorry Johnny if I am um (laughs) but his his first wife was white and uh, so his kids I mean the oldest one looks like exactly like me it's really like Facebook keeps mistagging us and it's weird but (laughs) (laughs) she's like a shade darker and she my perception is she's much more at ease with herself and the same thing with the girl that I was mentoring in Seattle she's also mixed and it just seems easier which is so nice to see and kind of inspiring. Mm-hmm. One of the, like, I think, uh, how do I put this? Uh, something you were alluding to earlier, and I think it's both in the casting world and it's a perspective you have, like one of the most interesting perspectives I think I find about being mixed and not being like, cause I do think for a lot of people, they do see me as black, but then it's like with a asterisk, like, or it's like a, I think, or like, or what? Yeah. And, and of course I get the question like from, and I get from a lot of Latinx people, yeah. like from specific countries. Oh, where are you from? And and I'm like Seattle. <laughs> and no, then it's like, where are your really folks from? from? It's like, well, from all over. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But like that, like I don't, that question I don't mind because I get where it's coming from. And so it's like, I try to, it's sort of like kind of my non-religion religion is sort of, uh, I had a friend actually in Seattle, <laughs> Elisa, brilliant um, artist, and she has a very mixed background. Um, I can't even remember all of it. It's like black, Filipino, maybe Native American. It's a bunch of things. And her mom, she said, when people would ask like, what's your religion? Her mom would say, uh, whatever yours is would be her thing and not like in like a smart like not in a condescending way just sort of like that's kind of what that's kind of my spiritual belief too like it's like I'm not at war with anybody like you know what I mean like I think there's all these beautiful traditions uh but one of the perspectives I was gonna say is not being pegged or it's like sometimes until people know how militant i can be on the flip side of (laughs) it um with white people sometimes and with just different people sometimes for good and bad people feel comfortable saying things around me because they think it's safe and on the one hand it is safe like i want people to actually say what they actually really <laughs> believe um, oh man and then yeah. like i've learned actually to like be patient and to try to actually have a conversation there's a point where i draw the line yeah but yeah but that perspective of sometimes you hear some ugly things oh man yeah no i that's exactly my experience because again I, i'll say 90% of the time that somebody thinks I am white, mm-hmm. just straight up white, they are a white person who has had little to no exposure to anything beyond that. Um, most most people of color, 
recognize me as like well she's not just white like yeah she's just like really weirdly pale <laughs> um uh and i i don't like being seen as white because that wasn't my experience growing up mm-hmm. um but i recognize that i have a lot of privilege and so when yeah, i yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like i'm white until i'm not like it's that I know I'm always going to hit that line with someone. Um, and I've gone through different ways of dealing with it, but I, I do try to live by, um, since I have that privilege, if someone says something to me that they wouldn't say to a darker skinned person, I feel like I have an obligation to have that conversation with them, to try to give them some insight into why that might be hurtful or inaccurate or just, you know, um, but also we're people too and we get tired and, um, we make mistakes and I don't know, the casting thing I'm still thinking about. I didn't think I was going to talk about this, but, uh, or did you? Uh, well, the other thing I was just thinking about it, like how these two, connect like casting and um life is i was gonna say like about like with like the election and stuff like that so i'm i've been and it's i'm i'm a bernie sanders supporter i am um and uh i basically where i come down on all politics is (laughs) like the whole thing of like you shouldn't discuss politics and religion i know why that's a thing but i actually think it's wrong i think like these are some of the most important conversations we need to be having and we need to yeah. be able to have them without attacking each other <laughs> like we need to be able to yes. debate without writing people off right away. like and so one thing i don't even want to get into the bernie bro thing um mm. but one thing about that is like i will acknowledge there are some bad actors within the Bernie campaign who are misogynistic and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, however, there are there, like, there are always in like the primaries, especially when it's contested, heated, like people who act like, like the act out basically. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of people forget that this happened with like Clinton in 2008, like oh, that was just as that. contentious. Yeah. Um, but, um, so that's like one thing I don't want to like no. people listen to this. Sorry. Keep talking about Bernie. But, well, <laughs> um, the, the other thing I was going to say, the thing that really gets me ticked off is when people say that Bernie doesn't have black support because under 35 and maybe under 40, but basically like, younger generation black people and just young people in general he does but like specifically like younger black people it's not even close there's a generation gap and so just like everybody else just like white people a black person is not one experience or one set of ideas or one thing or one perspective um and so then yeah that relates to like casting and stuff like that because it's like you know like yeah, I guess I'm not, I want to get cast in things. Like I want, uh, I want movies and TV this year. That's what I'm calling. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I'm not, I'm also not interested in not being a real person. Not that I have to be myself, but like, I want to work with people and like collaborate um, and create something real. Yes. I, I don't know. No, I, I totally understand that. I um, We're going to leave the Bernie thing because I think I'm leaning more towards Warren. But honestly. But I, so I'd be happy with her too, you know. Oh, and thank God. See, that's, that's really what we need because we can't have what happened in 2016 happen again. We just can't. Yeah. We, we all deserve better as a country. Um, the majority of Americans deserve to be heard because right now we're being governed without representation 
the yeah. way that we have our electoral college set up. I could go on forever about that. We're putting a pin in it. Yeah. But um, the wanting to be seen as yourself while making your art and leveling up in that way is like I identify that with that so so much. I um the lowest point of my life and my career was when I was going through all that relationship drama of like get, being married and I felt that the reason I wasn't getting my equity card or like working as an actor was that I was too confusing to the predominantly white casting establishment and maybe that was old ideas from like growing up here in the business and like I had a very fancy agent as a child who was like we have to change your name and all of this stuff um but I changed my name several times I took my mom's name I straightened my hair I tried to I was like well if I'm too confusing, then maybe I'll try to, I, I will actually try to pass as white instead of just being, you know, white presenting or mixed. Um, first of all, I don't think it really worked. Like, I, you can't change the shape of my body or the shape of my face or any of all of the things that make me me. And I felt um, icky. <laughs> it, yeah, I felt like I was tamping down um, all of the things that contribute to me having a unique perspective and a, something to share, something to contribute to the conversation. Um, so the best, <laughs> one of the best decisions I've made um, was to take back my name and to be Rebecca Vega Romero. Mm -hmm. um, and take back my hair too. Um, and it, uh, I don't know if that's helping or hurting or if I've just grown in being that, um, centered in myself makes it easier for me to do my work. I think I, I, so. You, you know, I don't know if it's that or if it's just like, oh, now we, you know. I find, and I'm, so I'm very glad that after, for you, after doing fifth avenue theater um that you are going ahead with this project because i find that every time i'm doing the work that i'm supposed to do like on myself and the the things that i'm trying to create like not for myself but mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah like i do the so i'm not waiting basically yeah that's when other things kind of start to fall into place. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's just when things tend to happen. And also it's like on the flip side, I say that, but also like anybody listening, like that does not mean to do the work so that things fall into place because that that's like not actually doing that's it. That's not, you know? yeah, no, it's not actually doing the work, but it's interesting that you say that. And I'm, I'm glad that you're glad because I had the experience of, I don't know, I had, uh, I'd never worked for a theater of that caliber before. And I had been struggling for so long to just get in the room, to just get an audition that wasn't because I was unrepresented because I had had those bad experiences as a child. I came back to New York and I was like, I don't want an agent. I'll just go to open calls. I don't need that. I can do it myself. And it's very hard. And also, um, I just had this idea built up in my head that once I just one roll, just one roll, and then everything would be cake. And I'm not saying that it hasn't changed, like that it hasn't changed things. I do feel like now I'm working with an agent and I think that, um, I'm getting called in by casting offices that maybe didn't notice me before then. And that's all very gratifying. Um, but I, I definitely thought it would be more immediate. And I thought that, um, because of that, I didn't need to, like, I kind of sh had shelved that project. We were gonna, we actually got this team together in, I want to say March of last year. And then I booked West Side Story. And I was like, I can't 
do the film when we said we were because I'm going to be on the other side of the country. And it took me, like, I, I've been back since July. It took me all of that time to be like, okay, no, we, yeah, we need to come back to this. This is a story that deserves to be heard. And it's important to me to be making my own work while I'm doing this. Sorry, I feel like that was really long-winded. No, no. <laughs> um, how long, like, so how short of a film, like how many minutes do you think, think it'll be? Uh, I think it's going to be between 10 and 12. I'm saying that because it's an 11-page script, and mm -hmm. it is a comedy, so it is going to be fast-paced. And I, um, I know our director, Naya, has, like, really cool ideas for the visual world, and um, so I don't know how, like, if we're going to use all the dialogue we end up filming or what I really trust her vision um in working with her like the notes that she gave me on the script I feel like I was so inspired by and I'm so much more excited to make this version of the script than the one that I wrote originally for me and Callie two years ago that had a different title um so that's cool uh yeah so it's a short comedy um I'm I feel like such a neophyte at this, the film world. It's funny because my uncle on my mom's side runs a, a film festival and a independent film distribution company, but he works a lot in genre films like horror and Western and stuff. And it's a very different world and they're all non-union films and they're not um, targeting the kind of festivals that I want to target so I have like all of this learning that I still have to do about what we're going to do with the film once we make it um which is cool <laughs> um I've told you I'm part of a theater company right yeah uh you should come sometime like I always invite people to this but there are a number of filmmakers in that community um and I have some other people also you should probably meet I would love that I'm, I also have this like because of the West Side Story thing and the conversation, that one really in-depth conversation I had with my aunt, I have this show that I want to write about my family that is definitely not a film. It is very much, I don't want to say musical because I don't write music and I'm scared of finding a collaborator in that way, but it probably will be at least a play with music, if not a musical. That's cool. So I definitely, I would love to meet your, your theater company and... Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. I just, I love it because it's really, it is grounded in theater, but almost everybody's involved with film and TV in one way or another also. That's really cool. Um, in all different aspects. Um, I was, I'm trying, to, I'm endeavoring to not do this so much anymore, but like <laughs> early morning Facebook scrolling or like, oh yeah, just is web a stuff. Terrible vice of mine. But this morning, I don't remember how I got here, but there's a woman and she was, she's, she was kind of passing almost, um, black woman. And she was nominated for a Tony. She was the first black woman to play a certain role in Showboat. I don't know the, but one of the main roles um, in Showboat. Julie, who is biracial. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. I was, you should look, you should look into her. She's an interesting story. Um, she ended up being in a lot of Spike Lee movies and stuff, but I don't know. As we were sitting here I talking, look, I was yeah. like, oh, you kind of remind me a little bit. Yeah. Oh, so, um, I'm excited to look her up. Uh, yeah. So is there, is there anything else you want to talk about today or anything you're excited about? Um, well, we've, we've talked about the question, which I'm really excited about, and I guess I should sort of plug that we are still in pre-production raising funds for it on Seed and Spark, so, um, somewhere I have that link that I can just, like, read out, I guess? Yeah, you can read it out, <laughs> and then I'll also put it in the show notes so okay. people can click on it. That's probably easier, but it's basically, you just go to Seed and Spark, um, it's a Seed and Spark dot wow this is awful <laughs> um seedandspark.com backslash fun backslash the hyphen question um and that's how you find us and if you you can watch we have like a little um 
video promoting. detailing. Yeah, pro- promoting. And we put all of these fun incentives in. Like, um, I've been practicing tarot for the last couple of years. That, like, has really changed my life. And so um, while I was on West Side Story, people there kept, like, asking me to read for them. And I, I realized that I'm pretty good at specifically, like, romantic readings. Um, like I said, I kind of just have that that's like where the way I see the world um so and because our film is about dating I thought that would be fun so you can do that or um I'm also really good at helping people with their online dating profiles I met my boyfriend on Bumble um so that's one of the incentives (laughs) um and lots of other cool things and um we're also doing some stuff on Instagram and Facebook um so you can follow us on those platforms and on Twitter, um, we came up with, I wanted to do some content for the film that is like, uh, for lack of a better word, I think generous. Like, I feel like a lot of fundraising is please contribute to our movie. Like, um, it can get tiring and robotic. And I, I wanted us to offer something back to the people who are like excited for us to make the movie but we haven't made the movie yet. Um, so we're going to do some cool like video series. We just actually launched the first one today. It's Mixed Messages, and it's myself and Callie Jean Lewis teaching each other our respective languages. Uh, she speaks Mandarin, and I speak some Spanish. I uh, was fluent until I was seven, so I have about a seven-year-old's vocabulary. Um, but I think it's a, a fun series. I probably have a two-year-old's level, so, you know. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Um, Mandarin is a really cool language. Uh, it has tones. Yeah. And it's very hard. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so how long is the the fundraiser going? The fundraiser goes until um, noon on February 27th. Okay. So uh, hopefully we will raise our funds by then. Uh, we hit... 33% in the first three days, which is a, a major sign. And so we're one of the highly anticipated films on the platform, which is really cool. Cool. Um, I have a friend, actually, he's in LA. And he's actually one of those friends of my little brother. Um, we became friends also uh, later here in New York in particular. But he also did a movie, actually, and he fundraised some money also about his experience in the mixed experience. I love that. Um, so I'll, I'll try to, yeah, you know, make those connections happen. Thank good you. people, good people should know good people. I would love to see his film. I, that actually just reminds me that one of the reasons I wanted to do a short film specifically was, Oh my God, I'm going to forget this actor's name. Uh, but, uh, there's an act, a mixed race actor who that was like, what he did, he made a film about being mixed race actor. Vin Diesel. Yeah, it was Vin Diesel. Ah, I was gonna, yes! I was gonna bring that up. Oh my god, have you seen it? I've seen parts of it. Like I, I knew it's about. It's kind of long. Yeah, um, but I saw some documentary about Vin Diesel. See, I know my, I know my mixed guys. I got my mixed like, role models. Um, <laughs> we have like our little mixed heroes. Yeah. Uh, him and The Rock. Those are two of my my favorites. I love The Rock. Did he have that app? Did you ever use that? He had like a wake up. No. It ended up being too intense for me. I, if the app is still up, you should download it. It's crazy. It's like him shouting motivation at you in the morning. And he, you can get up at your own time or The Rock's time, which is like 4.55. Yeah. Yeah, he does that. <laughs> Have you ever seen his diet? No, I'm oh, sure that's it's a, terrifying. That's a, yeah. It's healthy. Well, it's a lot. It's a <laughs> lot. Um... Is there anything else you want to, any parting words you want to leave with today? Um, I want to share something kind of personal, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first time I did the reboot with Jen Waldman. I mean, wow, she's come up so much, but she really has like reframed my worldview. Um, I was doing a play for the first time in a very long time after doing musicals, and I was really nervous about that 
and about going into rehearsals and um she had me draw up sort of a, a code of an actor code of conduct which I kind of try to live by in general um sometimes I fail uh and sometimes I succeed but I having it in my head as a goal I think makes me better and I literally have it as the background on my phone I have a picture of myself in acting class at seven years old and I wrote it and so the code of conduct is be the leader you wish you had reject gossip arrive early and ready to work be present received what receive what's offered with open arms look for the learning opportunities set the bar and have courage and be kind Excellent. I love it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sitting down, being here. Glad we got to do this. Me too. Um, I'm going to have people back again, I think, at some point. So, uh, yeah. So let's do that. Oh, my God. I would, that would be really cool to like talk about the movie once it's made and that experience. And I really enjoy talking with you. Likewise. Well, thank you. Thanks. So that was my conversation with Rebecca Vega Romero. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. And as much as I've enjoyed um, kind of building my community through doing this podcast and becoming a better listener doing this podcast. And I only want to get better at that. Um, And as I said at the end, I will be having some people back on. Um, hopefully Rebecca in the future to talk about her film and some other people who you've heard from before. And I'm super excited about some of the other conversations that I've had sharing those with you. I keep putting things on my plate, however, so I'm trying to figure out. And I know if you've listened for a while, you might have heard me talk about just finding the balance or just finding better time management, more efficient ways of doing this podcast but i think it's worthwhile doing so i'm gonna keep working at it and keep releasing these these podcasts uh and hopefully i'll get more consistent with the release dates but i'm just gonna keep growing and improving so thank you for listening if you're enjoying it please reach out let me know if you want to be on it let me know that's what the platform is here for and I hope you do some amazing things yourself. Maybe you start a podcast. Maybe you pursue whatever that thing is. Thank you very much for listening. Support your community, build your community, and change the world. Have a good one. Peace. (laughs) 